Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. I'd like to introduce my good friend, Rachel Davison, who is uh, an international best-selling author. And I'm Gina Gardner. I too am an international best-selling well. author um, and an empowerment, transformational leadership uh, coach and trainer. And general star. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Um, today we're going to talk about the difference between how life is if one's wholehearted mm. and one's half-hearted. Mm. Um, yesterday, um, my cat uh, stayed out. Yes. Um, I don't have a cat flap for a whole range of reasons which I won't bore you with. And he didn't arrive home until half past two, and I don't like to leave him out. He can't climb. That's another long two story. two in the morning, isn't it? It is. Oh. So when I got up this morning, I felt very half-hearted, if that's possible, mm -hmm. um, about getting up. Oh. Yeah. And one of the things that, that struck me was how different life is when you bounce out of bed in the morning and that you are passionate about what you're doing and you approach life in a wholehearted way. Yeah. As opposed to me this morning when, you know, I opened the eye half a crack when the alarm went off, mm. thinking, oh, I don't want to do mm. this, I don't want to get up, I don't want to start the day. And what I really, it, what resonated with me is how when we are full of passion and heart and enthusiasm, how life is so different than when we're not. Mm. And yet I think many people live a half life mm. because they don't engage fully in what they're doing. Mm. And so it seemed a sensible theme to explore this morning. Mm. Um, in terms of, do you live full out? Do you live a life full of heart mm. and passion? Or are you selling yourself short by only engaging in a, a, a lacklustre way? Mm. So there have been lots of people who've written about that. Roald Dahl, for example, was an example yes. that you shared with me. Yes, where he said, lukewarm is just no good. Yes. <laughs> he was talking about being passionate. And if you decide that you are interested in something, then you know, go full steam ahead at it and be wholehearted. He doesn't use the word wholehearted in that quote, but that, that's the sense of what yes. he's, what he's yeah. talking about, which is, you know, there's, there's very little point in doing something in life and not putting the whole of your heart into it. And obviously... It does happen. There are things in life that we all have to do, which, you know, we don't really want to put our whole heart into it. Um, but you have to do them because that's life and you have to do certain things and admin things and boring things and stuff. But generally speaking, the stuff that hopefully you're spending most of your time doing is where you are able to place your whole heart. I'm going to challenge the idea that 
you know, the stuff that you don't like doing, mm -hmm. that it that it's okay to do that with half a heart. Mm. Because I think in the doing of that, you're selling yourself short. Now you had a good story from Tony, didn't you? I did. <laughs> um, you know, ultimately, I there are certain jobs that I don't like, um, but I think Tony's example is one that can give us all an example that would significantly enrich our lives in general. Mm -hmm. And he talks of a time when he went to an ashram, yeah. and the deal was that if he went to the ashram, he lived rent-free for three weeks, and he got to engage um, in, uh, in, in all of the spiritual learning uh, that was going on there. Uh, now, his view of what the spiritual learning was when he went, very different to when he came home. Part of the deal was that you had to work for six hours on whatever job they gave you. Mm -hmm. And people came to the ashram for the day in their thousands and they were fed. Um, and so they were cooking and cleaning and washing up. And Tony was given the job of washing up. Mm. Now, the great Tony Robinson washing up. And by this time, he was already pretty well known. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I suspect, although I don't know, but I suspect that he hadn't washed anything up for a very long time. I think it's a safe assumption. I yeah. think so. So <laughs> he arrived at the washing up hut, and it was a hut. Um, and there was a distinct difficulty in that he's six foot seven. I've met him. He <laughs> is ginormous. <laughs> And the hut was very low. Now, we're talking about incredibly hot and humid anyway, mm. let alone without the hot water for mm. washing up. And he had six hours in this hut, washing up in very, very humid conditions, unable to stand up. It was so low, he had to crouch to, to actually fit in. And by the end of the day, he was in a foul mood, according to him. He had not enjoyed it. He'd been grumpy all day. He had been very half-hearted mm. in his engagement with the, with the activity. So off he went to bed that night, a bed that incidentally was two foot too small for his very long frame, six foot seven. Um, and during the, the night, he obviously had a conversation with himself about how he was going to approach the next three weeks minus one day because he's stuck with this job isn't he he, he is he yeah. just decided to go off home throwing his weight and saying yeah. you know i'm tony robinson yeah that wasn't in it yeah he, he can't go and say i don't like it i want another one but you he know, could stuck. he could spend the whole of the three weeks moaning hating it, hating it <laughs> yeah being very half-hearted yeah, and if i was more of a lady not saying half-assed about it <laughs> But what he did is he, he talked to himself and he recognised that actually not only was he harming his own experience, but actually the atmosphere that that energy creates is fairly toxic for everybody else. Mm. So when he got up the next morning, he got up in a very different way. He got up in terms of being wholehearted mm. about what he was doing. And he went in to wash up. And he decided he was going to make it the best day ever. Mm. That he was going to sing and joke and, and, and enrich the experience, not only for himself, yeah. but everybody else. Of course, at the end of the day, instead of feeling exhausted and resentful and miserable, yeah. he felt energised and 
full of joy that he had been able to share that day mm. in that particular way. Mm. A job well done, done to its best, and best abilities. He talks about by the end of the week, he could look back on that experience and see that that experience was one of the great experiences of his life. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, what an incredible learning experience, not only for him, but for all of the people who have taken on board that story mm -hmm. um, and recognised that there is the opportunity in every day mm -hmm. for every person mm -hmm. to live in a half-hearted way where you do it and go through the motions mm -hmm. or you do it resentfully mm -hmm. um, or you do it with a whole heart, you do it with love and do it with energy and making it the best experience that it's possible for that to be. It's a great story isn't it because there are many many occasions where what you really really want to do in life um, comes with boring bits, difficult bits, yeah. you know, um, tough bits and um, if you were half-hearted about it, if you were sort of like, well, I, I don't really like that bit, then what you're doing is removing the, the best bit, the, the bit that you're working towards. I often used to think about this with, with horses when, when I was younger. The amount of hard work that you put in around horses for those one or two moments of absolute glory, of, of perfection whilst you're riding, um, you could say that I don't know why anybody would do it. Yes. Because it's a lot of hard physical and yeah. heartache work to do that. But if, and if you're half-hearted about it, you never achieve those pinnacles. You know, because actually, the, the ability to achieve the pinnacle is often based on your application of effort and presence to every aspect of the job. I just, just love it to challenge though. I believe it is possible that in those, the, in the application of doing what people would think, you know, I'm shoveling horse manure, I'm clearing out a stable, I'm doing, you know, manual jobs, very repetitive, because make no mistake, tomorrow there'll be another pile yes. uh, to clear up. That actually one can find joy in the smallest, most menial task. Absolutely. If you choose, if yes. you look for it, yes. if you are wholehearted about it. That's why I think the army um, and, and you know, um, organisations that require a great amount of discipline and application. Yeah. I mean, the army is an extreme because, you know, ultimately it's about not getting killed yeah. for as long as possible. Yes. <laughs> I guess it's the ultimate aim of a soldier. Um, so they have these rituals, don't they? They have these routines that are extremely detailed and very hard work and almost, you could argue, does it matter that the button isn't as shiny as, yeah? Mm. But of course, I think the, these things, uh, these disciplines are created in order to train somebody to put their whole heart into every aspect. If you don't bother to shine the buttons and you're not taking, uh, making every effort to um, to take pride in what you do, to be clear about your intention, oh. then that sloppiness um, has the capacity to make the difference between life or death on the battlefield. Yeah. But, you know, we live in, in a world where every moment we have choices, don't we? Mm. You know, we are the common denominator for every moment of our lives and we are responsible. We've talked so much about taking 
you know, absolute radical responsibility for every part of our lives. So to me, it's, this is just uh, taking things you know, and recognising that in every moment we can choose how much pleasure we get out of doing something. We can choose whether we are going to pay lip service to something. And when we do pay lip service, when we are half-hearted, the, the feedback, the reward internally that we get for that is very, very different mm. to when you are, you know, it may be something that's boring, it may be something which is menial, it may be something that wouldn't be my first choice, but my mm. God, I'm going to make the most of mm. every moment of every day. And I think if you said to people, you've got four days to live, yeah. you would savour each moment in a very different way yeah. because we are so profligate, aren't we, with time? Yeah. We, we, we spend time being in a hypnotic state watching stuff on the TV, on arguing and complaining and, you know, and doing things which add no benefit or joy to our lives. And in a sense, I, I think you know, people waking up to the fact that the quality of your life is down to you. Mm. So when somebody is being half-hearted about it, why, what, what do you think they, they imagine they will achieve by withholding half their heart? I don't think that, that uh, my view is that they don't think about it at all. Mm. They're going through the motions almost like an automaton. Right? It's habitual, it's unconscious, there is no imagining. Mm. Um, it's, going, it, it's going through a set of activities which do not touch upon their inner soul, if you like. Mm. And I think that's the challenge, isn't it? That when you do things mindfully, you have the absolute choice as whether you do that and you make... Um, an opportunity for that to be something really positive or not. If you're just going through the motions, then there is no choice. Mm. It, you are being driven by a habitual way of being, mm. which doesn't touch upon your consciousness at all. Mm. And awareness is the first step. Unless you are aware, you have no choice, do you? Mm. Um, and it's interesting how half-hearted, right, when I think of people who are being half-hearted around me, how it feels, um, you know, disrespectful of them. Yes. In any way, you know, um, that, that if they, I mean, we've talked about the four rules of life, haven't we? In yes. terms of, you know, um, turn up, be present. And that to me is be wholehearted. Absolutely. You have a choice to turn up. You, you don't have to turn up. But lots of people think that the turning up is it. Yeah, and that's being half-hearted. You just yeah. turn up yes. and you're some sort of physical presence, but you're not really there. You're, you're so let's present. use an example. I know from the work that I do with people how many um, folk feel unseen mm -hmm. and unheard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, that doesn't mean to say they don't talk. They do. It doesn't mean to say that they're not necessarily within a partnership, within a family, within a community that they don't feel truly heard. And one of the values, I think, of working with someone like me is that the space is held for you, mm. that there is 
somebody who is truly listening to you in a wholehearted way, who cares, who actually um, has taken the time and the trouble to be wholehearted in their acknowledgement. And I think so many relationships are damaged because people are half-hearted in the way in which they interact with them. And I think technology's got a lot to do with it. You know, how many people have you been with where they're talking or you're having a conversation, but the phone is there, and the minute the phone beeps, they lose rapport with you because they go to the phone to see who it is. And the inference is, is that person more interesting than you? Mm. Um, it's a half-hearted way of communicating. Mm. And so if we were to give our full attention to whatever we are doing, not only to be present, mm. um, but also to be actively present, mm. I think the quality of life for everybody would improve hugely. Mm. You know, one of the things that you know, I talk about quite often when I'm speaking uh, to people is the difference between being a spectator and being a player on the field. Yeah. And you know, I, I talk about life is not a spectator sport. Mm. Now, if you are watching a football match or a, a cricket match, watching it can give you great pleasure, but it's not the same experience as being on the field. Mm. Now, in many ways, that's probably a bad analogy because you can engage in uh, and be fully present in watching the match. Yeah. But if you put it into your everyday life situation, how many people are fearful of getting engaged, of committing, for example, to a relationship? Well, I think that's what most people are trying to achieve when they are half-hearted about life, is, is that they're trying to protect themselves. They're trying Absolutely. To, they're sort of saying to themselves, um, I won't use my whole heart, at least I'll have half a heart left if this goes wrong. But <laughs> I think it's built on the wrong premise, that yeah. instead of having anything, when you are half-hearted about it, when you are you're not engaging then it's an illusion well it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy really isn't it it is because if you if you put half a heart in it you're never going to have wholehearted no, stuff, you're no, never you're going just, to be truly loving or truly loved if you don't commit to being wholehearted yeah and that's the risk that is the risk you might lose your whole heart <laughs> see i think it stems that's, that's worth it <laughs> i think it stems from people not wholly loving and appreciating yourself mm. and when you don't love and appreciate yourself if you're not you're acting as your own best friend mm. then you're only prepared to give a little bit of yourself but you're you, you you don't engage in life in a wholehearted way because it's all about building that wall yeah about i'm fearful of stepping out of my comfort zone i'm fearful of being vulnerable, I'm fearful of, of letting yeah. other people in. Brené Brown talks about you know, the vulnerability, you know, if you want to live a life that's full, you have to live that life in a wholehearted way. And she was talking about compassion fatigue as well yeah. fairly recently, and she made the point that people who are capable of showing greatest compassion in their lives are the ones who are living wholeheartedly. Yes. Um, yeah within her research in terms of her definition of wholehearted. 
Um, so, you know, there were people who were turning up and being present in their yeah. lives. Yeah. They were setting healthy boundaries for themselves and for others. Yes. They were firm and, and determined about um, and had purpose, you know, that sense of momentum. Um, and even though they were putting in a lot of hard work yes. and, and were, were not living blessed lives by any stretch, you know, they're just normal people, um, because they had a wholeheartedness, because they had a sense of, of that wholeness and being present, they had generosity, they yes. had compassion. Um, whereas people who turn up with only half a heart have got scarcity at, at the absolute sort of, you know, fear, lack, scarcity of what's running their lives. And I'm also reminded of, we've both recently um, read a book um, called the by Johan Hari, yes. um, called Lost, Lost Connections, Connections, which is all about depression. And he talks about people who are working um, in a, a, an arena where they are, they don't like it, that they feel stuck because they're fearful of stepping out and living their true purpose because mm -hmm. they will lose perhaps the material things in. Mm. But how that has such a profound effect on people's emotional well-being. Yes. That it's one of the seven factors he talks about. Um, Paul, that Paul Paint Mixer chap that, that he, he... Who would like to go and be a fisherman. He wants to be a fisherman. Um, uh, but he is fearful of, of losing... A Mercedes. Yeah. And so works, I can't remember if it was 10 or 12 hours a day, mixing paint that he's doing in a soulless way. Now, he goes on to say that, okay, there are boring jobs that need to be done. Yes. There are dirty and unpleasant jobs that need to be done. Yes. And it's not about the job. And I think lots of people latch on to it being, you know, I want to do, I want to fly aeroplanes. I don't want to be, you know, sweeping the wrong way. Uh -huh. But what he goes on to say is, actually, whatever job it is, if you do it and you commit to actually making the, that job um, something that you do well and that you can feel a pride in the fact that you have done it, uh -huh. that changes everything. Yes. Um, it's you know, the game changers that you are wholehearted about whatever you do. Mm. And in, in creating for yourself that, that way of being, mm. then you open your possibilities to live a joyous, fulfilled life. You know, once in my life I was given the opportunity to be an onion sorter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was on the farm where I used to keep my horses. And um, and the suggestion was that I earned a little bit of extra money by um, after I finished mucking out the horses, turning up on this massive automated, mm -hmm. basically a, a big tractor running a, a, yes. a, a line in a in a big barn. It was hot. It was dusty. Smelt of onions. <laughs> and the product, the job was as you watch these onions bobble by on this this uh, Line elevator, no, that's the wrong word. Convey about, yes. thank you. Um, you had to spot the bad ones and reach over and pop them out. And you had to stand there for three hours since doing it. Gina, I confess I was half hearted about it. <laughs> I can understand that. And yet, I watched a program only this week. Um, it was uh, looking at the, the making of bake or tarts, one of my particular mm. favorites. 
everything was automated except for putting the cherry in the <laughs> and they couldn't How actually funny. create uh, uh, oh, I think it's a pretty good uh, yeah, metaphor <laughs> um, and there were ladies there who were putting the cherry on the top the white way band in the centre and they were smiling and you thought was this just for the cameras and the person who was um, doing the interview said you know to love like your job, mm. and they, without exception, said, We love our job. Mm. And they took great pride in the fact that they were fast and efficient mm. and accurate in where they put them. And mm. the camaraderie between these ladies was mm. great, that mm. they were wholehearted um, in what they were doing. And he asked one of the women, How long have you been doing this? And she said, 12 years. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I. I my initial thoughts I'd be brain dead. Yeah. How boring. Yeah. When I thought about it in the context of today, what I realised is that those women had made the active choice to do something and to do it with whole heart. Yeah. And as a result, they found it rewarding. They yeah. found the relationship between the ladies yeah. rewarding. And they found that the fact that they took pride in what they did and yeah. that they did it well. Yeah. They found rewarding too. Yeah. So for all of those of you that are listening, I would urge you, whatever you're doing, even if it's something that you hate doing, like taking the bin out or doing the washing up, be wholehearted in it. Choose actively to immerse yourself in your life. You know, you've only got this one so far as we can be absolutely sure. So <laughs> make the most of every day. Take the opportunity to be wholehearted. You'll find lots and lots of resources on the website, genuinely-you.com. Um, just launching the leadership program, the enlightened leadership program, uh, and I'm hoping um, that that will be uh, on the website very, very soon. Uh, so genuinely-you.com. Um, you'll find both our books there. Rachel's just uh, published her latest book, which is The Truth of Her. I've read it, it's brilliant. Go and find it on Amazon. You'll find all my books, including Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways of Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. They're on the website, but they're also on Amazon. You'll find all the other books there. You can get a free digital download of the book on the website. So go and have a look. Take care, have a great week, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.